Hello, this is Kat. And this is Phoebe. Welcome to Feminine Chaos. Welcome. What are we talking about today, Phoebe? I hear you have a question for me. Well, I have a, I do have, I have a very important question for you, but prepare yourself, okay? Okay. Because you really want to make sure you answer it as thoughtfully as you can, because the ethics of this are really, really important, okay? Okay. You don't want to betray ha- being like the wrong sort of person, um, having the wrong values, okay? Oh, God. I- you ready? I'm I'm very tense now. Uh, what if I get it wrong? What okay. happens if I get it wrong? Well, anything's possible. <laughs> All sorts of fallout could happen. Okay, you ready? Okay, okay, I'm ready. What's your favorite sandwich? <laughs> oh my goodness! Um... <laughs> Perfect. Winston, Winston doesn't like this question. That needs to be left in. That needs to be left in. I think. Oh yeah. Um, I'm panicking. I'm panicking. Peanut butter and no peanut butter and anchovy. No, um, I do like anchovies on a sandwich. Well, I'm really taking a journey mm-hmm. here. Okay, ready? Wait, 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 wait. Is that audible? Oh, are, you, are you you slapping a ham sandwich against yourself? I'm snapping. I'm snapping my fingers. That's what it sounds like when you snap in it, into this microphone. It, it probably it does. sounds. Here, I'm gonna weird. try snapping um, into my microphone to see if it also sounds weird. Did that sound like a snap? No, yours just sounds like snapping. Maybe you're just a bad snapper. <laughs> That's possible. I might be. I'm a red snapper. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I had to ask you about this. Because my, my favorite sandwich will tell you, this is like an astrological sign thing. It's even like, it's like, what's your sun sign? What's your bad moon rising? And what is your sandwich in retrograde? Yes. So um, sandwiches do um, periodically break the internet I guess because it's a very mundane topic that everybody can relate to you know like all the stuff I remember for a while there was a lot of controversy over people claiming that only in New York could you get some kind of sandwich that was like an English muffin with cheese on it or something and it was like people were mocking this a lot I don't know like you have to, you you have to be at a bodega in the right neighborhood. Oh, bodega of- discourse, right, right, okay. Yes, it was bodega. It was a some subset of bodega discourse, and then everybody else was like, "No sandwiches exist, even not in New York." Um, David Brooks has had two different sandwich gates himself. My God! Yeah. So why are we talking about sandwiches? Well, we're talking about sandwiches because of an article in the Atlantic by Adam Rubenstein or Rubenstein. I don't know how he pronounces it about working at the New York Times opinion section in the days of the Tom Cotton debacle, which we have discussed on this podcast, which everybody knows about, which is almost as well known as the goings on at Harvard, you know, so it's one of these things where I was not super interested in reading another such missive feeling like I know where I stand on this. I know that I think the excesses of 2020 were excessive. I also think this is kind of known at this point. We can discuss it. And yet here we are Um, because the opening anecdote to this story is about sandwiches and it led to some of the most impressive sandwich discourse yet. I contributed, guilty as charged, I joined Sandwich Discourse before, in fairness, before I realized it was a whole thing. And it seems to have become, like, what Sandwich Discourse has become is not the the angle I'm weighing in can on. I, mm. Can I read the Sandwich ex- excerpt aloud so mm. everyone knows what we're... Please do. Please do. That would be helpful. That would be helpful. This is, it is in fact, the lead. It is the, the opening anecdote of this uh, essay by yes. Adam Rubenstein. And of a paywalled article, so a lot of people are only reading about the sandwich 
I think that's important. Right. Too. True. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting. I in fact have a subscription to the Atlantic. Um, but yes, so I've read the article in its entirety, but the, the sandwich anecdote, it, it is indeed the opener and it is follows. On one of my first days at the New York Times, I went to an orientation with more than a dozen other new hires. We had to do an icebreaker, pick a Starburst out of a jar, and then answer a question. My Starburst was pink, I believe, and so I had to answer the pink prompt, which made me respond with my favorite sandwich. Russ and Daughter's Super Heapster came to mind, but I figured mentioning a $19 sandwich wasn't a great way to win new friends, so I blurted out the spicy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A and considered the ice broken. The HR representative leading the orientation chided me. We don't do that here. They hate gay people. People started snapping their fingers in acclamation. I hadn't been thinking about the fact that Chick-fil-A was transgressive in liberal circles for its chairman's opposition to gay marriage. Not the politics, the chicken, I quickly said. But it was too late. And I sat down, ashamed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the sandwich, okay. the sandwich. Really, qu- really quick about the sandwich discourse because I, th- I think that we will, we are about to talk about something apart from the question of whether it happened or not, um, whether this anecdote is actually actually happened as told. Oh, no, well, let's we can start with the whether it happened question because that is that is interesting how that became. Yeah, go on about that. Yeah, it became it became a real flashpoint with people saying this never happened; it's made up. Look, I don't work at the New York Times. I wasn't present for this particular incident. What I'll say about the question of whether it happened are two things. One, multiple people have come forward to say that Adam Rubenstein told them this story at the time that it happened in 2019. So that's one possible form of corroboration. Like if you were reporting a Me Too story, that would be considered a a form of corroboration. It would make it a more credible story. But the other thing... If you've ever worked in a media or media-adjacent sphere in New York within the past 20 years, you know 100% that this fucking happened. It just did. It's like I I had so many or was witness to so many exchanges just like this. It's just there's nothing about it that beggars belief. So first of all, yes, agreed with you about all of that. Um, But did you ever witness this in person? Because the nature of the role I have had in media is that I did just have not done that much of my work in rooms with people. I know that sounds like I'm some sort of shut in and that's accurate, but do people act in real life the way that they do on Twitter? Because I'm talking like old Twitter where the blue checks were the media people or whatever, but like that, that's something that I'm curious about. How much were people like this just sort of like I know sometimes can happen in academia that there are people who are very um, outspoken on the internet and then in person they're just kind of meek. Mm. So. Yeah, so my experience with this um, predates like – you know, the internet as a a kind of a gathering place, um, because when I was working in office, this was before social media was really a thing. But Mm -hmm. I did experience dynamics like this in person. And what I found was that it very easily can tip over to something like this in real life. If you have, well, you need two things. One is a person in a position of some 
authority, whether it's in this case, the HR representative or just a person who has like the bulk of the social slash cultural capital in that moment, in that social environment. Um, And then the other thing you need is enough people to create a little bit of like a group or perhaps a mob dynamic where there's a sense of like them bonding over their targeting of this person who's dissented from the orthodoxy. And that's all it takes, basically. I mean, it's just like high school. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I I mean, what I think is interesting here about when people were saying this didn't happen, if you look at what the claim is, the claim isn't that the entire room started snapping their fingers, it's people. That could have been two people, Mm -hmm. right? Presumably, it would have been two people who were not the HR representative, and presumably the author was not one of the people. Mm-hmm. So we know that this was an orientation with more than a dozen other new hires. We don't know how many of those people were snapping. We don't know how many of them thought this was all ridiculous. We do know that this was a cultural moment when if you thought that something like this was ridiculous, you were not going to say so in that type of setting because you know well i guess 2019 would have been different from right so this wasn't quite peak it wasn't it wasn't peak reckoning but right i mean when i experienced this at, you know at an office it was like 2004 you know it was the it was on the cusp of the second george w bush administration some of this stuff like broke out in certain ways um especially online in in 2020 and like during the pandemic but the dynamics themselves are not new no that that, for sure i mean i guess i'm trying to think like most of my in real life media experiences that would be of mainstream interest were like when i worked for andrew sullivan's blog which this didn't happen there (laughs) this sort of thing so like but that doesn't make me doubt that it, it happens in other environments but yeah the the it didn't happen thing is a little a little bit silly i also do just this is like a, a maybe I'm zooming out too much because I do really want to talk about the sandwich, but there's just there's a whole part of journalism today that's like relitigating 2020 and saying that the woke excesses of 2020 went too far. And I feel like I, I'm in this weird position where I both agree with that, was saying it before 2020 and and just find it all very boring now. I don't know. Like, am I just am I some sort of horrible hipster for this? And I, you know, <laughs> like I was there before I was no, because I just I just feel like I should be the target audience for an article like this. And everybody I respect is sharing it so positively. And I'm just like, eh, I don't know. Um, I mean, as you say, though, there are there are parts of the article itself that that are, you know, maddening. Yeah, I think there's just a now it can be said element to a lot of this stuff. that, And that's why whenever a new piece like this comes out, it does kind of catch fire for a few minutes. And everybody talks about it. And there's this flare up of like... Not just people saying, see, I told you, you know, for a lot of people who like suffered, you know, not in significant consequences for dissenting from the orthodoxy just a couple short years ago, uh, there's something cathartic about being able to point to this and being like, see, I wasn't crazy. I was telling the truth. All y'all doubted me and like, and now eat shit, you know, (laughs) put put your face right in it. I think that's fair. I, I think that's fair. And I think that that makes me understand it as like, a momentary thing. I guess it's more when I see people who are like that, if, if you're going to make that your whole thing is 2020 was stupid. I mean, 2020 was stupid, but unless that you're, unless you're going to really sit down and like write a history of 2020 or that, you know what I mean? Like it just seems like 
Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, the distinction. But can we just talk about the sandwich though for a moment? Because this is driving me nuts. Yeah, absolutely. What's what's with the sandwich? So I have a personal angle and a general angle on the sandwich. The personal angle is that Russ and Daughters is fantastic. What's the Heapster sandwich? Do you know what it is? I looked it up. It didn't sound very good to me. It was something with whitefish or something. But I have a preferred sandwich there. It was lox with with salmon roe on a bagel. And I had this when I was flown to New York to be in a documentary about Karens that never appeared for a TV channel that ceased exi- ceased to exist before the documentary. Ooh. And I had like one lunch that I could kind of just get and that was like going to be, I was going to like splurge. So I got this really, really fancy bagel. I mean, it, it's a bagel sandwich, but it's like... Yeah, tell me more about it because I, 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 sorry, I really want to marinate in this bagel discourse for a moment. So it's, it's, it's lox and salmon roe. Does it also have cream cheese on it? So I don't like cream cheese. I bet it does normally, but I don't have anything with cream cheese because I, I just, I have a thing about it. I don't like it. But basically, Russ and Daughters, I know it opened some sort of restaurant version in, I want to say recently, it could have been for all I know, like eight years ago. But I've never been to that. I've only been to the original, which is on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. I live in Canada, as you all know, so I haven't. I'm not like a regular at this establishment. I've also never lived on the Lower East Side, so um, this was never a regular thing in my life. But even like as a child growing up in New York, I knew about Russ and Daughters, and it's still somewhere. Like after my grandmother's funeral, we ordered locks from Russ and Daughters. It's like that sort of thing, you know. It's like an established institution in New York, Russ and Daughters. It's a really like it's a famous place that sells things like locks, right? So that's what that is. And yes, these are higher end sandwiches than you're gonna get like in a fast food place. Yes, these are, you know, not something that you're gonna probably have every day for lunch, unless you're if you are more power to somebody once I saw somebody once leave Russ and Daughters, they had bought somehow like the tail of a fish of some sort and they were chewing on it and I've never been more nauseated in my life. That's disgusting. Like of a like a big like a salmon tail or something. They're they chewing oh, on the tail. It was just so nauseating. It was like I it, it almost Okay, put me- wait, now I have a question. Are you sure they didn't buy the whole fish and you were just seeing them at the very end of their gustatory experience? I'm not sure. I, I don't, I have no, I have no way to know. You know, this, this, the Atlantic didn't fact check my story. I, I don't know what was happening before, but yeah. But so Russ and Daughters, I can picture it like I'm there. You know, I, I know what this place is and it's a special place. And I feel like it's kind of a place that you should be, I don't want to say proud because nobody should be proud specifically of where they come from. It's just chance, but like, if you know this, it's it's culturally specific, right? And like, I don't think that there's any shame in your favorite sandwich coming from somewhere that's very specific, especially specific to the place that the newspaper you're working at is based, is from, has in its name, New York. You know, if you, if your favorite sandwich comes from Russ and Daughters, more power to you. But then, and the idea of somebody thinking that they have to then say, oh no, actually it's Chick-fil-A, that nothing to do with 2020 nothing to do with gay rights i'm just like i don't care if it's chick-fil-a or burger king or whatever you know like there's just something about this that just put me off but then like that gets to kind of the general part 